Welcome to Radical Simple Living episode 32 and as normal I'm talking to you from my kitchen in my house in Småland, southern Sweden and uh, I'm in the middle of the forest here it's just you and me and a voice recorder so welcome Um, I'm having a cup of tea perhaps you are too I don't know Now, it's that time of year in southern Sweden where the calendar says it's spring. And it is spring most days from about nine o'clock in the morning until about four or five in the afternoon. But then it has the tendency to flip back into winter again. And according to some forecasters, we've got minus four Celsius some nights this week. So chilly and that means you have to spend a lot of time going out to cover up plants that are growing and things like that so when it's spring it's nice but it would be nice if it stayed spring 24 hours a day for a few days Uh, that would make my life a lot easier plus i've got lots of plants in the house that need to go outside and at the moment they're getting a few hours outside every day but not enough but anyway It's probably very similar if you're in Northern Europe or the Northern USA. It's probably the same in Canada. It's probably the same. You're waiting for spring. It's not happening. Uh, If you're Australia, New Zealand, of course, you're waiting for autumn. And I'm sure that's that. That has many fruits for you. And I hope you're enjoying those. Also, the other thing about spring is I've had my first tick bites of the year. I've had three the first one is always the worst of the season if you live in a ticky area of the world you'll know that the first one always hurts a lot and swells up and itches for days and then after that they tend to get a bit less of a problem but i've had three so far this year so that's going quite well i'm sure there'll be many more to come now i don't know how old you are you've never told me We've, uh, you know, been speaking together in these podcasts for a long time and you never told me how old you are, so I can only guess. Um, but my guess would be that you're probably not in, in, in your childhood. I might have childhood listeners, I don't know. I hope I have, um, but I may not. I've just let my fire behind me. It's crackling there in the background. Um, so most people I'm talking to have been through the first flower of youth and are now into their adulthood whether you're just starting on adulthood or whether adulthood has been with you a long time, will affect how you view this uh, uh, thing I've got to talk about today. And it's this. When we are young, we are idealistic. When we are young, we grow up with very strong ideas about what we want to do and how we want to do it. And it's quite right that we should be. And a lot of those ideas have to do with righting the wrongs that we see around us. And we see all sorts of things happening. We realise they're wrong and we vow when we grow up, we're going to do something about them. Now, if all those young people who had those idealistic thoughts grew up and actually did get to do something about the world's problems, the world would be a wonderful place. But we don't. Um, What happens? Well, In growing up, we can lose some of our idealism. We become a little jaded sometimes. We try and lead a good life, but we no longer struggle in the way that we might have done when we were younger to make things better. 
Now, why does that happen to us? Well, perhaps it's because we realise that what we're trying to do as an individual is futile in the face of the great corporate machines that lie in front of us and that we feel that our ability to engineer change is not as good as it could be. And when we were young, we thought we could move mountains. When we get older, the size of a molehill. We think, oh, well, let's go round the molehill rather than trying to move it. So today I want to talk about those things a little bit as soon as I've let this cat in. There we go, that cat wants to come in because it's just started to rain, which is nice. Uh, yeah, we, we lose this idealism and we become a bit complacent or maybe the woes of life hold us down. Maybe the worries we have about uh, running a family and having children or having a partnership or not having a, a partner. All of those things can be a worry. Earning our living, coping with money worries, coping with health issues. All of these things tend to make us fairly self-focused and lose sight of the bigger problems there are in the world. Above all, it tells us that where we're really needed is close to home and uh, we haven't got time to take on the world's problems. That's natural enough, that happens. But sometimes we do something different. Sometimes we move our field of concern or our field of interest away from what we want to do into what we're getting paid to do. Okay, now I should add a caveat there that some of us are paid for doing wonderful things. Some of us are paid to be doctors and nurses and farmers and teachers and, and all of these things that people need in society. But some of us are paid to get together the monthly sales figures. Some of us are paid to work at the call centre. Some of us are paid to work on the production line of a product that we don't really believe in. But because we have to earn the money and because we want to get promoted and because we want to feel that our job is important, we tend to shift our focus a lot onto not is what the needs of our family are, or the needs of our community are, or the needs of humankind in general, or the needs of the planet are, but we tend to get focused on the needs of our immediate employer and what we're doing. Now, I'm not criticising this, I understand why it happens, but what I want to talk about today is a way of refocusing a little bit on idealism. And to do that, I'm going to employ a little bit of resource here from Joni Mitchell. Now, if you're old enough to remember Joni Mitchell, you will know her to be a craftswoman of fine songs. Uh, and those songs are of an intensely personal nature. So listening to a Joni Mitchell album is a bit like listening to a friend pour out their soul to you. All her inner turmoil and difficulties uh, come out. But she's also revealed, even at a fairly young age, as being somebody with incredible insight. And so what I want to do today is to take you back to an early Joni Mitchell song. This song was written, I think, 
in about 1970, maybe early 1971, but I think 1970. And it talks about her time in Detroit. And uh, Detroit, as you know, was a very popular place for Canadian musicians to pass through on their way into the States. And um, quite a few songs were written there. And this one by Joni Mitchell uh, tells of her meeting with her boyfriend at the time that was called Richard. And it really is important what she and Richard have to say to each other and what they go on to do. So I'm going to quote a little bit from this, if you'll bear with me. I would sing you this song, but it's unfair to the cats that are in the room at the moment, and uh, I'm not sure I could really do it justice. Basically, the setup is it's Detroit in 1968, and she and Richard are sitting in this cafe together. And he told her, Richard says to Joni Mitchell, all romantics meet the same fate someday, cynical and drunk and boring someone in some dark cafe. And what he's really saying by that is that um, you can be romantic in your youth, you can have a sort of bohemian lifestyle, you can live the life of a poet or an artist, or in the case of Joni Mitchell, both of those things, but you end up being cynical, drunk and boring. Someone in some dark cafe somewhere. And she then has a bit of a repost back at Richard and says to him, well, you know, this isn't really the way it needs to be. The song eventually moves on and she tells us what has happened to Richard since this meeting. And she said this, um, Richard got married to a figure skater and he bought her a dishwasher and a coffee percolator and he drinks at home now most nights with the TV on and all the house lights turned up bright. Now what she's really saying is that Richard went from this state to adopting what many of us have to do, a conventional lifestyle. She doesn't say what Richard's doing, but Richard, the suggestion is that Richard has some corporate or professional job, which means he's had to give up his idealism and he's has compensated for that by living an ordinary middle-class life full of coffee percolators and TV and house lights turned up right. A lot of us have had to take that. A lot of us started off as very um, bohemian idealist types, but have ended up tied down with a job and a mortgage and a marriage and doing all those things, just like the vast number of people do. We also hear a little bit about what happens to the Joni Mitchell character in the song, uh, because she says this, I'm going to blow this damn candle out. I don't want nobody coming over to my table. I've got nothing to talk to anybody about. All good dreamers pass this way someday, hiding behind bottles in dark cafes. Dark cafes, only a dark cocoon before I get my gorgeous wings and fly away. Only a phase, these dark cafe days. It's a wonderful song, and if you want to find it, it's The Last Time I Saw Richard by Joni Mitchell, and it's on the album Blue. And the album is, as anyone that knows, the album Blue is a very wonderful experience. So there we have it. We have two courses of life, according to this. We all start off as dreamers. Some of us try and live to carry on the dream, and the end of that is a fairly sorry state of us boring somebody on our own in a dark cafe. Or we choose the other route where we accept conventionality 
and we end up being consumers as well as earners, uh, corporate people, mortgage owners, married people in a relationship, all of those things. Okay, now that is pretty bleak, isn't it? Because if you were to say to your children, if you have them, right, you've got two choices in life. You can take one of these two roads. You can take the uh, conventional road or you can take the bohemian road. But either way, there's a bit of a stark uh, future awaiting you, isn't there? The future doesn't look too rosy for either of those. I, I, I dare say Richard is quite happy with his TV, but it's not very... Um, it's not what he wanted. It's not what he set out in life to achieve, and yet that's where he finds himself. Joni Mitchell character, loneliness, darkness, irritability, those aren't the things she wanted when she was setting out. Now, I'd like to say that I believe there is a third option in life. I believe there's a way that you can grow older, but at the same time, hang on to the idealism that you had in your youth. And you can hang on to the idealism in a way that you're working every day at something that isn't for the profits of some corporation. It isn't some sort of hedonistic lifestyle where you are purely consuming and producing nothing. It's a different way. And that way, I'm sure you won't be surprised to hear is about simple living. Now, why do I say these things about simple living? Well, the, the whole point of this podcast, if you like, and all the programmes, is I believe that simple living has a way of making your life better, about making your local environment better, and about making the, the natural environment better. All those three things can be achieved by simple living. And I believe it's hard and difficult and it involves sacrifice, but it is worth it. In simple living, you can avoid the traps of empty life involved in the rat race, in earning, spending, earning, spending, and all those things that go with it, where all the life events to you happen, but they don't have any real effect on you. We all remember... Um, we all remember seeing films and hearing songs about principally men, although sometimes women, who find their career takes them away from their family. And then when they realise what is happening to them, that they're spending all their time chasing some corporate ideal instead of their ideal, it's too late. They've missed their children growing up. They've missed, they've messed up their relationship. They've lost sight of who they really are in the process. And eventually what happens to people like that is they either suffer burnout or they go on to retirement. And when they retire, they get a clock or something and they sit and look at the clock. And that's, you know, a sad end to what could have been a wonderful life. Now, I realise we can't all be rich and famous. And I do realise also that rich and fame, doesn't, uh, fame do not bring happiness in themselves. But I do think we should be aiming for something better. We should be aiming for something that's going to reward us. Remember the three things about simple living. To want simple living, you must need want to make your life less complicated and need to find out ways to do just that. Simple living must involve you 
being custodians of the environment, not only your local environment, but the bigger world environment. So you don't do things to harm the environment. And the third thing is that it involves you developing some kind of spiritual path forward on your own terms. Now, simple living can do that for you in a way that corporate living can't and in a way that empty bohemian living can't. It can do it for you because you're very close to those ideals. You're so close you can reach out and touch them. Anyone that doesn't believe that um, uh, should try it by growing your own food, by making your own meals from scratch, by maybe doing needlework, maybe by being doing woodwork. You can feel so much closer to those aims. Whereas if you're living a corporate lifestyle, you're likely to be putting your aims and ideals on a high shelf. And you say, well, I really want to be close to nature and I really want to produce my own food. I really would love to do some woodwork. Or I'd really love to do some dressmaking or something like that. But I haven't got time at the moment because I'm too busy earning a living. So I'm going to put those things on a shelf over there. And then one day when I retire, I'll be able to take up those things off the shelf and do them again. Well, sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. Sometimes when people retire from their work, they feel so much at a loss because it's been such a big thing in their life that they don't know what to do with themselves. And how many times have you heard of somebody that retires and they're looking forward to doing things and they go on a cruise or do something and in the end they they left feeling fairly empty watching daytime television or something like that. It doesn't happen to everybody, but we all know cases where it does happen. Whereas if you're chasing your own aims and your own dreams and your own inspiration and trying to create things for yourself, you don't have to retire from that. I'm never going to have to retire from growing my own food. I'm never going to have to retire from cooking food. Okay, I might get so ill I can't do those things anymore, but that won't be because I no longer want to, that'll mean because I can't. My own grandfather was... My, my father once got a phone call in those days. Uh, I think it was a telegram first he got saying, phone this number, and he had to go and phone the number at the call box. We didn't have a phone in our house. Um, and when it did, it said, oh, your father is seriously ill. You must come to visit him right away. It may be your last chance. And so my father took the journey to Hurst, where he lived. And when he got there, my grandfather was digging the garden and said, oh, I wasn't expecting to see you. <laughs> and there he was. And he carried on doing that until months before he died because he wanted to. Because he wanted to. Nobody wants to work in a call centre till they die. I know, having said that now, somebody will say I'm wrong. But I don't believe people do. I believe you can't want to do somebody else's bidding until you die. What you need to do till you die is do what you need to do yourself. Now, it should come as no surprise to us that very creative people want to carry on doing things much longer than maybe those of us that aren't so lucky. It's nothing to hear of rock singers, folk singers, soul singers carrying on into their 80s and dying on tour or something like that because they want to carry on with what they're doing. And you might say, well, why do they want to carry on doing that? Because it's their dream and they want to push it all the way through. 
So there are recording artists we know they're going to carry on and when they do die, it will be they just come off a tour or they're just going back on tour or maybe on tour because what they want to do takes them all the way to the end of their life. And what I want to do is going to carry me on to the end of my life too because I want to go and get better and better at it and I want to get closer and closer to that ideal. And in order to do that, I need to work at it. So is simple, we've just spent a lot of time and I want to emphasise this point. I'm not knocking you if you do a job for a corporation. I'm not saying if you work for a bank or you work for an insurance company or you work for a, a plastics wholesaler. I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying you can incorporate other things into your life which are going to blur the edges between what you do and what you want to do. It's going to make what you want to do more tangible and more possible. Now, you could argue that the other road, the bohemianism, works. And of course it does, until it starts to get difficult. Because everybody else that you started being a, a, a free-thinking, um, liberal-minded bohemian type going from cafe to cafe and from one thing to another all sorts of songs about this people oh, i might do this next summer i might go here i might go there problem is the people that you're doing that with will eventually drop off because they will go and join the other stream so the people that you started off thinking oh they're going to do something wonderful they they, they probably end up working for somebody and doing some pretty ordinary job and getting their dishwasher and their coffee percolator and you are left on your own. And as you get older, you get less and less acceptable. If you're 22 and you're found, oh, travelling around somewhere and you meet someone, what are you doing? Oh, I'm travelling across the country. I'm doing this. I'm working a little bit here, a little bit there. I've got my guitar on my back. I'm doing all sorts. It'll be wonderful. If you're doing that when you're 60, you'll have a job getting anyone interested because that kind of lifestyle is something you can do for a while, but you can't do it forever. And so what you need to do is to think about things that you can do that are going to allow your idealism to become more practical. Maybe that means making your idealism more static. Maybe it means putting down roots. Maybe it means finding a bit of land somewhere and doing something on it. I don't know. But when you want to do those things, you should go for them. Now, a lot of people will say at this point, simple living is opting out. They will say, by simple living, you're dropping out. You're giving up what other people are doing and you're simply sitting at the sidelines and letting the world go by. I don't think that's true. I think simple living is incredibly positive and I think people do it for very positive reasons. When you meet somebody and you realise that they aren't just going to the supermarket and getting their food, but they may be growing it, that the clothes they're wearing they made, that they built their own house, that they, you know, look after themselves and, and get by on a very small income because they're producing so much that they need for themselves and their family. It's wonderful. Simple living is the third way forward for you to live your life. It's a way 
You can live your life when you can hold on to your dreams and work hard to make them reality. And you can forget about some of the constraints that are placed on you by other people. When I get up in the morning, I don't need to worry about, oh, you know, what have I got in my engagement diary today? I get up today, I got up and thought, right, I'm going to plant my potatoes today. So I spent the morning happily planting my potatoes. And while I was doing that, I thought, oh, I'm going to be tired by later on today. I'll sit down and do a podcast and tell people about my thoughts. I can do that. Nobody tells me when to do that. This is my agenda. I come up with it. It's wonderful. It's invigorating. I have the same aches and pains. I have the same ups and downs. I have bills to pay. I have things to do. I have things I want I can't get. I have things I need I can't afford. Yes, of course, but so does everybody. And I'm enjoying the struggle. I'm enjoying pushing my way forward to that. Now, the other thing that simple living can do for you, and the other thing that it will do in your life is you allow it to, is give you an enhanced spiritual direction to your life. Now, when we're talking about idealism, many of us grew up with religious faith. Many of us grew up with strong beliefs in certain things. And I'm not telling you what your religious beliefs should be or are. They can be whatever you like but you probably grew up with those. Now, this may have been the tradition you grew up with, or you may have gone into, you know, you may have been brought up in a Jewish family and you may have become a Buddhist. You may have grown up in a Catholic family and you may have uh, joined a a Hare Krishna sect. You may have grown up in a Anglican family and become a pagan, or you may have grown up with atheist parents and become a Christian. It doesn't matter. If you have chosen your own path to go, nobody here, not me, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'm going to say, carry on with that dream. Carry on pushing towards it. Now, the joy of a simple life is it will allow you to grow in your own direction. It will allow you to develop in the way you want to develop. You won't have those constraints put upon you. Because just like some of us get tied into a straitjacket of our profession, Some of us get put in a straitjacket of our spirituality. Some of us find ourselves tied to churches. We find ourselves tied to religious groups. We find ourselves tied to values. We find ourselves tied to customs that we no longer feel happy with. And if we're constrained by those things, it's difficult. If we are living a simple life, We can develop, we can grow, we can evolve our spirituality just as we can evolve and grow and develop our self-sufficiency. Now, whatever path we choose and whatever direction we take and whatever form of self-sufficiency we adopt and whatever form of spirituality we adopt, we cannot be conceited into thinking that our way is the right way. We must be prepared that others will not want to go down the same road that we've gone down and may be developing their own road, their own direction of travel. And that is something that a lot of people find hard. A lot of the people you talk to say, no, we must do this and the future is this and we have to do this and you cannot do that without doing this. You can do, 
exactly what you want. The important thing is you've thought about it and you're doing it properly. You should also be prepared to change direction and say, I wanted to go down this road, but I realise now it's a mistake. I'm going to try and do something different. All these things take courage. All these things take determination. But you can get there. Um, so be on your guard against assuming that your way is the only way. It's not. There are lots of ways. I want to close today, if I can, with a quote, which will surprise you, I'm sure. In Way back in episode one of this podcast, I mentioned about where do ideas of simple living come from. And one of the names that came up there was John Seymour. Now, John, John Seymour was uh, an English writer who later went to live in Ireland. And he has a reputation of being incredibly difficult. Um, I've come across a few people that actually knew him. I've come across one person actually worked with him for a while. And they said, oh, he was a difficult man. I'm sure he was. But he was also an incredibly wise man that came up with a few wonderful things. And this is one of them. Here's a quote. Here we go. When we look at the future, we have three basic choices. We can continue as we are at present, short-sightedly guzzling finite resources in a crazy rush of consumerism. We can attempt to mollify some of the grosser aspects of consumerism and still try to hang on to our present living standard. Or we can change willingly, profoundly and radically. That's John Seymour from his book, Complete Book of Self-Sufficiency. I think he puts his finger on the nub of it then. All of us can carry on with what we're doing. All of us can try and make a few changes. Uh, you know, like I, I saw a politician once interviewed and said, what are you doing to save the environment? And she thought for a while and said, we often eat stir fries at our house. That was a British politician, but <laughs> okay, that's good then, isn't it? That's a one way to save the planet, have the occasional stir fry. The change we have to make has got to be radical and it's got to be changes that we want and we have chosen and that we are willingly going forward with. Okay, now just before I go, I would like to say it is my aim sometime in the future to do some questions and answers in a podcast. It's not going to be the next one or the one after that, but it can be sometime in the future. So in order to ask me a question, um, you can, on any of my social media, place on Facebook or on Twitter or on Mastodon or anywhere else you can find me, or there's an email address that I'll put underneath this uh, program here. And... You can ask me the question. Now, if you do ask me a question on social media, do make sure that you say it's a question for the podcast. Otherwise, I'll just ask you there. And I'll do my best to answer them. I can't promise I will maintain your anonymity unless you tell me to do otherwise. But I'm quite happy to do that. And that will be a few uh, podcasts in the future when I've got enough together to provide some reasonable answers and uh, move forward with that. In the meantime... 
Thank you for joining me this week and I hope to see you again soon. If this is the first of my podcasts you've listened to, you might like to have a look over my back catalogue and find some other things that I've spoken about that might be of interest to you. Been nice having you here. Thank you and I'll catch you next time. Bye for now.